If yeah. we could go back in time, if I could find a way. If I could turn back time. <laughs> if I could find a way. 99 Red Luft Balloons. <laughs> Look, here <laughs> comes <laughs> President <laughs> Kennedy. <laughs> Welcome to episode 35 of the Presidential Podcast, where we go from 1 to 45 in under 90 minutes and discuss the life, legacy, and little-known facts about every American president. I'm your host, Ryan Allward, joined by Blaine Zimmerman and our producer and vice presidential expert, self-proclaimed expert, I would say. I've never said that. You are well-read, though. It's, I have said that. Do you know the backstory to that? You told okay. me. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's, it's been cut out of plenty of episodes <laughs> oh, at this okay. point. So here it is. <laughs> yeah. So the story about Russ now. Thank you to all of our patrons across the country who helped to make this episode possible. If you want to get early, ad-free, and bonus episodes of the podcast, we'd love for you to join our Patreon community at patreon.com slash presequential. Signing up just takes two minutes, costs anywhere from five to ten bucks a month, and the community is a lot of fun. You get some great stuff there, too. All right, Blaine, tell everybody listening about the book we read, what we're calling episode 35, and what we are drinking in honor of JFK. The, the book was called An Unfinished Life, John F. Kennedy, 1917 to 1963. It was written by Robert Dalek. It was 718 pages written in 2003. You could say it was a profile in Courage. Yeah. Uh, this episode is called The Cosmopolitan. The Cosmopolitan. Oh. Ooh, that's nice. So Russ and I were talking earlier. I had a busy afternoon and yeah. was like, Russ, I need you to look up some like drink ideas for tonight. Okay. So I'm getting the messages via Siri on talk to text, okay. like through Apple CarPlay. Yeah. And he's got all these ideas and we we landed on strawberry daiquiris. Oh my. Okay. So we got like strawberry daiquiri oh, cocktails. Nice. I was fully ready to like get the blender out. Yeah. And like I make know. frozen daiquiris. Cause, I know just because I know Ryan would have thought it was hilarious. Oh yeah. And I feel like with how much you don't like like earthy drinks. Yeah. Um you're probably a big daiquiri guy, aren't you? Uh I haven't I don't know if I've knocked ever had back it. a few of those frozen daiquiri. daiquiris on the uh Cruise on the cruise, cruise ship. ship, yeah, yeah. With the uh, old Mark, I was. <laughs> shout out to Mark Living Good. If you guys yeah. don't follow Mark Living Good on Instagram, you He's need to. Fantastic. Mark with the C, Living Good. Go give him all the follows, yes. please. <laughs> he deserves it. Like the dude, one of the hardest working people in show business. Yeah. This smells good, by the way. Cheers to you. This is a uh, out my Malibu cocktail strawberry daiquiri. Thanks, Russ, for picking these up. Shout out to our uh, mystery alcohol sponsor out there listening. We appreciate you. Oh, that's. That Not is, a me thing. That is very sweet. Yeah, it is. <laughs> what did you expect it to be? <laughs> wow, that, that drink is is sweet. That's going to be interesting to get through. It's made with Caribbean rum. <laughs> Caribbean rum. <laughs> get in the backseat, baby. Different song, same artist. Yeah, Great. You know Great what song. I mean. Yeah, yeah, oh, I know yeah. what you mean. Did you know the story behind, I think it's Caribbean Queen? It was Billy Ocean's record label's response to billy jean by michael jackson no you can what? basically line those songs up on Cram. top of each other it's a That's gonna <laughs> it's happen. about the same song yeah it's gonna happen. baseline the guitar riffs everything anyway uh it even rhymes billy jean caribbean queen yeah uh, we're at sixteen thousand two hundred eighty three pages because blaine and i had breakfast about almost two years ago and decided let's do a podcast and read a are, bunch of books and russ got to read one are we gonna on the get vice to president 20 i hope I, I think we might Besides JFK's assassination, besides his assassination, what do you guys remember about him from growing up? Marilyn Monroe. Moon. Okay. The moonshot. Happy birthday. Uh, Ask not. 
mm-hmm. civil rights. Yep. Uh, Catholic. RFK. Oh, RFK. His yeah. brother. Sure. Yeah. And the football stadium. Um, World War II Navy vet. I, but I didn't know that. Yeah. Obviously, I grew up reading Profiles and Courage, so. Yeah. The- drink. You know what? We normally have a Hamilton reference. Every time Blaine <laughs> drops the Hamilton reference, we drink. I just, I need but- you to know that I, I did the extra research and, and <laughs> suffered through reading that book. Yeah. After reading this book and boy, is it bad. So every time Blaine, in well, this episode, maybe bad's not, it's just, it's so dry. Yeah. <laughs> well, so let's, dry. let's drink every time Blaine references profile and courage. What if Russ and, does? Uh, and also let's just cheers to you listening and to JFK. There we go. I feel like we cheers twice. We That's did. That's great. <clears throat> I like it. That is a tart libation all right so john fitzgerald kennedy was born the second of eight kennedy kids in brookline massachusetts outside of boston on may 29th 1917 making him the first president born in the 20th century his dad joe kennedy was a wealthy businessman and politician his mom rose was a philanthropist and also a wealthy socialite both sides of the family came from irish catholic ancestry and Joe Sr.'s dad, P.J. Kennedy, served as Massachusetts state legislature, while Rose's dad, John Fitzgerald, who Jack was named after, served as a congressman and the mayor of Boston. So the Kennedys were very influential and very wealthy in Massachusetts. Yeah. There's a piece about that when he gets to college I want to bring up. His father and mother had a weird relationship, or maybe weird for us. I don't know. Maybe it was normal for hyper-wealthy people. Like, it's such a different world. Like, it's hard Mm -hmm. to say what's normal and abnormal there. Joe would just bring mistresses into the house, like, all the time while she was home, while Rose was home. And she just ignored it, and just that's just a normal thing that happened. Yeah, and he would also basically kind of prime Joe, John Kennedy's older brother, the oldest son, the oldest child. I mean, he he sort of would encourage that. He, it was basically expected that his boys would end up being in his shoes and, you know, affairs weren't looked down upon. The children enjoyed a very privileged childhood, elite private schools, <clears throat> sailing servants, you know, second homes. They, they were, okay, so there's the whole, like, if you really want to know if somebody's super rich, ask them how much a gallon of milk is because yeah, they won't know, right? right? He and his friends just, they'd never paid for things. Uh-huh. They would just like expect their servants to just show up later and pay yeah, for it. Yeah. And like the people in town and around in their circles just knew this, right? Yeah, like I forgot if the Kennedys came, they would like mark it down the register and yep. later the servants would come and pay for it. Yeah. And there was one time where they were at a gas station and they were just outside of like, I guess the Kennedy bubble. Okay. And the dude was like holding them there and was like, you're not leaving without yeah. paying. And they just responded by going, oh, we're Kennedys. <laughs> like the, and the guy was like, I don't know what that means. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. That gas costs yes. money. Yeah, Jack was constantly sick, and these ailments required him to spend a lot of time in the hospital, recuperating at home. He was constantly fighting some, uh, usually related to his back, a lot of health issues. Well, there was like the pneumonia TB type stuff, though, too, yeah. right? Right when he was going to college. The, so this book is very detailed, yeah. like specifically around the medical ailments all yeah. the way through his life. So Dalek actually found a lot of medical records that the other Kennedy siblings didn't even know about. So there are things that were revealed in this book that he uncovered that Kennedys weren't even aware of that their brother was going through. It's yeah, it's it's a good book. Yeah. It's so detailed there are times that it's like very dense where you're yeah. like, all right, we get it. His back hurts. We like, get it. Let's go. He he went through a lot of like the medications and yeah. like the doctors, and I'm like, I get it. <clears throat> yeah. Well, and he originally went to Princeton. 
but mm-hmm. he got so sick he had to do the whole go yeah. to Arizona to right. clear your lungs thing. Yep. And when he came back, changed his mind, decided to go to Harvard, which yes. is in Boston. Cambridge. Um, he, while he was in Boston at Harvard, he <laughs> showed the whole, like, just how un, unattached to reality he is. Yeah. When he learned about the depression <laughs> in college. Yeah. yeah. A thing, a life event he lived what? through. Yep. He lived through. He did not know what was happening. He, he read about it wealthy. in books. He heard about it from other people. Uh-huh. Sure. He was okay. so insulated. He from said... It. Uh, that was a big deal. Uh, you, you think? He said, I yeah. knew my dad hired more gardeners so they could eat, but that was about it. Gosh. He enrolled there in 36. Uh, he swam on the varsity swim team, which is a little bit of foreshadowing yeah. once we get to World War II. Went to a high school called Choate. Choate. <laughs> C-H-O-A-T-E. Choate. <laughs> Russ almost spit-taked it. <laughs> it does sound like a, a hidden body yeah. part. Yeah. It's, yes. Oh, I got him right in the choke. <laughs> <laughs> I just didn't want to. That that shouldn't be forgotten. Yeah, JFK went to choked. Yeah, remind. Let's put a pin in choke because it comes up at his inauguration. <laughs> the school was wider than it was long. Yeah. The, uh, <laughs> have I told you my cul-de-sac of Douglas story? Yes. By the way, okay. Yeah, choke I don't know if you've done it on the no, show. No, he has done it on the show. Have I? Okay. Yeah, cul-de-sac of Douglas. Anyway, um, I remember that. I remember that release day vividly. I got yeah. lots of text messages. <laughs> Acupuncture. Yeah, cul-de-sac the, of Douglas. Um, Choate sounds like the name of the school from uh, Oh Captain, My Captain. Oh, yeah. Dead Poets Society. Dead Poets Society. So anyway, he's at Harvard. In 1938, President FDR appoints Joe Sr. to be ambassador to the UK. That same year, John or Jack, the interchangeable names, uh, inherited a cool million dollars from his family while he's at Harvard. So imagine being like a junior in college. That sounds familiar. In 1938, and your family says, here's a million bucks. Was it for a business loan? <laughs> a small business loan. <laughs> so you just answered a question I had. Go ahead. Because you were saying well, don't John and Jack. Yeah. We're talking it's... about the same person, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 Jack, Jack Kennedy, yeah. Jack Kennedy. Okay. So uh-huh. his friends called uh-huh. him Jack. Yeah. So did his family. Okay. Mm-hmm. But what about other people? <sighs> Mr. He Kennedy. was Jack to everybody? Well, I guess Mr. friends Mr. and family. He got to know name. him. Yeah. 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 John. Which Jack. who really knew him? That's a good question. Stay boy. tuned while we unravel his life. <laughs> That's good. I'm Sarah Koenig. <laughs> <laughs> while he was in England with his dad, he wrote his senior essay entitled Why England Slept About England's Lack of wow. Readiness wow. for World War II. While. Which became a bestseller. While. While? Oh, I thought it was why. No, while. While. While England Because the slept. whole thing was about how Chamberlain wouldn't get involved because he uh. didn't think Hitler was that bad. So okay. saying, here's all the things that happened while Eng- England slept, which turned into a rom-com in the 90s with Julia Roberts. <laughs> Hugh Grant. <laughs> yeah. It's called well, Nodding Hill. Yeah, Hugh Grant comes out like in his underwear. and hey, What's going thing. on here? Yeah. <laughs> it's just getting the paper, dear. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was on the landing. Uh, 1940, he graduated uh, from Harvard, cum laude. And enrolled at Stanford for the Graduate School of Business. But in 41, he left Stanford to go help his dad write his memoirs about his time serving as ambassador. And he spent a lot of time traveling throughout South America. Between his sophomore and junior years of college, he traveled Europe, like backpacked. Well, probably didn't backpack. Yeah, he with his had best somebody friend, right? carry his backpack. That was where he like grew the desire to want to be a politician and learned, kind of formed his views on international politics. Was Why, that when was that when he went like to go try to find some Kennedy and like cousins? 
in uh, in Ireland. No, wasn't he president when he did that? Oh yeah, maybe I he, think was. he was. Yeah, um, if he wasn't president, it was it was much later. I know yeah. what you're talking because the book opens with that right after college. The doctors put him on this like experimental steroid for his colitis. Which yeah, it more than likely what doctors think now. More than likely, that steroid is what led to his back problems. Yeah. Colitis sounds like something with your endocrine system. Producer Russ, could you kindly look that up? What's in? I don't. Yes. I don't know. What's endocrine? Endocrine is like your, uh, like your glands. Oh. Colitis, an inflammatory reaction in the colon, often autoimmune or infectious. Oh, so it's his colon. It's like Crohn's disease, okay. oh. which I still don't know what that Man, is either. I think it's similar to Bright's disease. Yeah, right? I was going to say, like, there was first it was Bright's disease, then yeah. it was colitis. Now we're just like, it's Crohn. Well, I think he was diagnosed with Addison's disease, which I think might be exactly what, I don't know. Maybe it goes by a bunch of the different names. <laughs> That's the disease of having, like, an affluent, like, mildly affluent white mom. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Russ. Addison's disease. Adrenal glands don't produce there enough is. hormones. Okay. Yeah, that would be your... That nope. doesn't sound like him. Those sit on top of your kidneys. Yeah, it doesn't... <laughs> oh, no, I, don't I know think he's okay. I think, the... if anything, he had the reverse Addison's. <laughs> what should I do with all this testosterone? <laughs> yeah, I guess I'll... Well... Tries uh, to go into the army. Can't. He's he knew un... he couldn't. Until dad pulls some strings. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he goes in the Navy instead. Basically, his, he got in on a falsified good bill of health. Uh, and he was assigned to serve in the South Pacific. In 43, he was made commander of PT Patrol Boat 109 that was basically split in half. It was rammed in the dead of night by a Japanese destroyer. They were out near the Solomon Islands. Two of his crew members were killed, and his back was badly re-injured. He managed, however, this is a crazy story, so he towed one of his crewmates who was badly burned. He towed him by a strap on his life jacket, on the crew member's life jacket, in his teeth, and he swam three and a half miles to a nearby island. So I said, remember when he was swimming at Harvard? So they're on this island waiting for rescue, but they also don't know who's inhabiting the island. And so he etched this SOS message in a coconut shell. And he ended up finding two natives on the island to deliver the shell to a nearby base to basically get rescued. And so it took him a week of keeping his crew's morale high that they were going to get rescued, staying alive, one, because, I mean, you're surrounded by salt water and you have to find fresh water and food. So he's on there for a week, and this was interesting, too. So later, he had the coconut encased in wood and plastic, and he used it as a paperweight, as a reminder of the event, and it sat on his desk later in the Oval Office. He had the coconut with him. I thought you were going to say he turned the coconut into a radio, like Gilligan's Island. (laughs) Nope, didn't do that. All right. It's a paperweight. There was later a movie made about this. What was it called? PT-109. Fitting. Yeah. Um, Cliff Robertson mm-hmm. played JFK. Mm. Yeah, my dad uh, was in also, a movie with Cliff Robertson. Uh, yeah, he sure was. Yeah, yeah. He sure was. Wind. Yeah, I wind. still need to do a, a bonus episode about wind, yeah. but we need to get L. No, you got to have dad. Yeah. So he got the U.S. Navy and Marine Corps Medal for Valor, and he also received the Purple Heart after being wounded in action that summer. And he's the only president to date to have received the Purple Heart. He was also the first of six presidents to have served in the U.S. Navy, the others being his successor, LBJ, his successor, Nixon, his successor, Ford, his successor, Carter, and H.W. Bush. For, For a long stretch in the 60s and 70s. There were many presidents who had been Navy veterans. Mission accomplished. Yeah. yeah. 
So he, uh, he comes home. There's a naval inquiry about the sinking of his boat. And the Navy found that basically they dinged him on the fact that what was happening that night. But they also didn't want to make him a scapegoat. They needed people who were tan and attractive to go talk about the war effort. So instead Ronald of Reagan. kind of slapped him on the wrist. And then they said, hey, go, go, go speak. I haven't read the Reagan book yet. I didn't realize that Reagan did that. Well, he was an actor in propaganda films. Yeah, Got it. Okay. We'll get to that in episode something <clears throat> later. Yeah. He also, if I remember right, getting on a torpedo boat was a relatively hard thing to do. Yeah. And he served I'm, on a couple, but I'm I think sure this that, was a big deal. I'm sure it didn't have anything to do with what his name was. Before he joined the Navy, what are you looking at? Oh, got it. For? Because yeah, it's called candidate. nepotism, right? Yeah. Okay. Sorry. The, <laughs> what? I thought you were making a pun and I was like, what? No. Okay. Got it. Um, the, uh, before he joined the Navy, though, was the first time he ended up like on an FBI watch list. Remember this? Remember I don't. This? Hear about this thing? I don't. He was dating a journalist named Inga. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. FBI was already watching yeah, her yeah, as his yeah. potential spy, yeah. so he got reassigned to South Carolina. I it was actually while that. he was in the Navy. Yeah. Sorry, not before. So they, the Navy reassigned him so he couldn't date Inga anymore because wow. he like accidentally was Whoopsies. dating a spy. Spy, yeah. Have you guys seen J. Edgar, by the way, the movie? Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. You might like it, Russ. Maybe. Yeah. It's pretty good. I liked it. Anyway, the next summer, Maybe. August 12th, 1944, Jack's older brother, Joe Jr., was a Navy pilot, and he was killed when his plane's bombs were going over the English Channel, and they were, what is it, radioactivated? And I think there were radar stations that had not yet been pulled down. They were like, hey, send them over, but keep all the radar stations off. I think oh. one of them actually triggered the bombs to explode while he was flying over the channel on a on a bombing mission that he actually he volunteered for. And so Joe, that brother, had basically been the one that Joe Sr. had tapped to become president Joe one day. Boy. And so Joe Sr. loses the golden child, essentially, and taps then Jack to follow in his brother's footsteps. There's a lot to unpack there. One for JFK. Yeah. <laughs> like Right. Like from an emotional standpoint, like dad has picked the other one. Yeah. Uh, but also what kind of money that he had just decided, like that kid will be president. And yeah. then when he died, he was like, okay, now it's your turn. Yeah. And yeah. he did it. Power and influence. Yeah. He had a lot of <laughs> both. Insane. Yeah. On March 1st, 1945, about a year after his brother's death, Kennedy retired from the Navy Reserve on physical disability, and he was honorably discharged with the full rank of lieutenant. After the Navy, he worked briefly as a reporter for the Hearst newspapers, and in 1946, at age 29, he was elected to the House of Representatives, where he would serve three terms. Carpetbagging. Complete carpetbagging. Unpack carpetbagging in case someone doesn't know what that is. Uh, Layman's terms. His dad paid for it. His dad got him elected. Like it wasn't, it was even in, it was in an area he didn't even live in, correct? And he think, wasn't from. Yeah. He just like kind of showed up, yeah. claimed residency and ran. He did And then they put what, $300,000 into the campaign? Yeah. And I think he had a goal to try to make it to every city in town in Massachusetts. Yeah. And then the he, he hurt his back and he yeah. couldn't do it. Yeah. Or uh, he did, but every time he would get back, he was like, ugh. In 52. Basically the Larry Bird of politicians. Yeah. Just constantly getting banged up. In 52. Larry Bird had like historic back problems from repaving his mom's driveway on his own. As really? A, yeah. That's how he initially how got the. So he ended his career. Like oh. he spent a lot of like the last know that. few years of his career in traction in between games. Ouch. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that either. Yeah, no. He, yeah. Like, he's a millionaire NBA player and refused to hire a 
freaking like asphalt company to do his mom's driveway. He did it himself. Come on, Larry Bird. Yeah. In 52, JFK ran for U.S. Senate with his brother Bobby managing his campaign. And he defeated the Republican incumbent from another Massachusetts family with a long political history, Henry Cabot Lodge Jr. That name yeah. may ring a bell. Back to the Revolutionary War. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there's yeah. always a Henry Cabot Lodge. It's surprising there's not one in the house right now. Yeah. There might be. You never know. <laughs> that same year, in 52, he met socialite Jacqueline Bouvier, and the two were married on September 12th, 1953, in Newport, Rhode Island. Bouvier. Yeah. Like, Simpsons. Bouvier. What's crazy is she looks like somebody that'd be named Bouvier. Yeah, Bouvier. Yeah, it's a cool last name. Yeah. Uh, She's a pretty cool woman. Yeah, Jackie did a lot. Joe Sr. was a strong supporter and friend of Senator Joseph McCarthy. Bobby Kennedy worked for McCarthy's subcommittee. And McCarthy also dated the Kennedy sister, Patricia. So... McCarthyism, you know, the red scare of communism, if you've heard of that, they were they were tight with Joe. <sighs> Man, there's certain stuff that comes up that is just like, why did he do that? Like he was yeah. super anti-communism. He actually called yeah. Nixon when Nixon won his district in California and congratulated yeah. him on beating communists. In 54, the Senate voted to censure Senator McCarthy and JFK drafted a speech supporting the censure. However, it wasn't delivered because he was hospitalized at the time. Mm-mm. Well, sure. But it wasn't delivered because Bobby was working for McCarthy yeah. at the time. Yeah. And his, and Joe called and said, don't do it. Don't do it. That's the real. That's, Dad is working a lot the behind the scenes. The yeah, right. There was a lot of damage, though, to Kennedy, basically the members of the liberal community, including the influential former First Lady Eleanor Roosevelt in the 56 and 60 elections. So they did not forget that he had a letter to support the censure. Yeah, so there's a few interesting things here. So when he got elected, one of the reasons that he got elected over Henry Cabot Lodge was because the youth, which is understandable, and minorities um, and immigrants identified yeah. with him. Yeah. I think that's really interesting because in what way? Outside of that, he was young. Like what in his background yeah. is even is possible for a normal person to identify with? Uh, I mean, one, there's just a ton of Irish people living in the time in Boston still are to this day. So, I mean, maybe it was just a, hey, he's one of me, even though he's totally wealthier than i am maybe they recognize that well i mean i just when i hear the term identify with yeah i think somebody looks at him and thinks like oh he's just like me yeah he's one of me and i guess maybe the name was just yeah, so popular I guess that you know it's pop it's possible yeah i mean and i'm sure that i mean there is something to be said like for for being cool and yeah. being able to speak well yeah like president obama like he's not exactly relatable right like but Super cool. Yeah. And speaks really well. Well, what was interesting is Jack wasn't necessarily the most extroverted brother between him and Joe, his older brother. Joe was definitely more like affable. He was the guy that, you know, could walk in a room and everybody goes, hey, Joe's here. It took Jack a little bit more effort than his older brother to put on the charm. But he did have it. He did have it. Putting on the charm. Putting on the charm. You got it. Yeah, there There we go. So he's still sick at this time. He's just battling a lot of health issues. And because of that, he had one of the worst attendance records in Congress. His real achievements in the Senate didn't amount to a whole lot. But immediately after he was elected to the Senate, he knew that he had his eye on the prize of higher office. In 56, he set his sights on the vice presidential spot alongside presidential hopeful Adlai Stevenson. But he narrowly lost that bid. Before that, he wrote pro- uh, he, someone wrote Profiles and Courage. Drink. The, which we'll talk about. By the way, the book. Hold on. Yes, I know. It's like drinking Jello. It's 
I feel like I'm a 16 year old kid who has this and he's like, man, we got some alcohol. <laughs> no, you got a Malibu cocktail, bro. So, so the book, John Quincy Adams, Daniel Webster, Thomas Hart Benton, Sam Houston, Edwin, Edmund G. Ross, Lucius Lamar, George W. Norris, and Robert Taft. Yeah. Are, and <clears throat> you don't need to read this book. Yeah. If you're a teacher, you probably should read this book. And I know that we have a few teacher fans like more power to you. It's not an entertaining book and it definitely switches vibes. From some of the stuff I've read, it definitely seems like he read or he wrote the first and last chapters. And when you read it, the first and last chapters definitely have a different prose to them than the rest of the book. He wasn't originally wanting to be the VP for Adlai Stevenson. The plan from Joe, his dad, was for LBJ to run for president and for JFK to be his vice president. So like pretty wild, right? Yeah. With how things ended up going. LBJ turned him down. And turned his money down. Yeah. Because he was basically like, here's a bunch of money. You're going to run for president. You yeah. can have this. This is yours now. And, L- and LBJ still had a ton of money, too. Like, LBJ was very wealthy as well. well but, like, he wasn't Texas. Joe Kennedy wealthy. Right. I mean, he owned a ton of radio stations. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, he that's had... relatively fascinating. We'll t- yeah, we'll, we'll, get, we'll get there. Relatively soon. Am I recalling correctly that in John Quincy Adams' episode, when you mentioned Quincy in Profiles of Courage, mm-hmm. I think in episode six, we talked about how there was a resurgence, not necessarily of interest, but awareness of John Quincy Adams due to him being in Kennedy's book. I mean, it was a popular book and it won a Pulitzer Prize. Right. But like they didn't have like a lot of stuff to do. So I get it. You would like more boring things when there aren't as many interesting things as options. Yeah. <laughs> Correct. Like, I get you. Yeah. The, uh, yeah. Like at one point in time, kids thought it was cool to roll a wheel with a stick. Like, so. That's still pretty cool. Mm, uh, <laughs> it is. I, so it is interesting. And I bet you a lot of our listeners did not know that it was actually the plan was for LBJ to be yeah. president. Yeah. Turns out to be relatively fortuitous that he didn't become Adlai Stevenson's VP running mate because Adlai Stevenson got his teeth kicked in. Yeah. By Eisenhower <laughs> by and Nixon. They got trounced. They won big of that fall. And basically Kennedy, I mean, kind of dodged being tarnished by Stevenson's defeat. And he got a bunch of exposure at the 56 Democratic Convention that basically teed him up to run in 60. Around this time, though, sadly for the Kennedys, the new young couple uh, in 1956, Jackie gave birth to a stillborn daughter who they had planned to name Arabella. Um, yeah. So there's a lot going on for the Kennedys. That's a name. Around this time. Well, there's a lot going on with the Kennedys, like just in general. Yep. There's a book I've read before called The Kennedy Curse, mm-hmm. like that the family is cursed. Interesting. Because there's, there's a there's, there's a, a lot, lot there. Yeah, there's a lot in um, there. And, you know, you just hate to see it to such normal, great, down-to-earth people. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the... <laughs> Sorry. That's my second. I got Russ twice today. That was a good uh, delivery. When... when he married Jackie, and he basically saw it as two royals combining yeah. families. The, yeah, I mean, this what is... What were the name? The Bouviers? The Bouviers, yeah. This is the Camelot era. That's uh, Marge Simpson's last name in The Simpsons. Really? Marge Bouvier. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's cool. I didn't know Take that. I was never allowed to watch The Simpsons, so... You weren't. Why? Oh, <laughs> you just shot me a look that goes, <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, you remember. <laughs> Got it. Thank you. Yeah. You know how I know all these hymns? Yeah. <laughs> you already sang, uh, what was the one you sang earlier? Solid Rock. Um, yeah. I don't know the, or the name of the song. That's all good. 
1957 now. Uh, like you said, he won a Pulitzer Prize for Profiles in Courage. That same year, he chaired a committee in the Senate that chose the five greatest U.S. senators of all time at that time so their portraits could decorate the Senate reception room in the Capitol. They were John Calhoun. <laughs> what? Hold on. What did you say? He, he cha- put John Calhoun's picture up somewhere on purpose? He chaired a committee in the Senate that chose the five greatest U.S. senators of all time for their portraits to be in the Senate reception room, which is pretty much a ceremonial <laughs> What room. is redeeming about John Calhoun? I don't know, buddy. He is the father of the Confederacy, right? I'm not wrong about that, am I? No, that's correct. <laughs> you are correct. What the hell was wrong with him? <laughs> John Calhoun from South Carolina, Daniel Webster from Massachusetts, Henry Clay from Kentucky, and like you said, Robert Taft and Robert LaFollette from Wisconsin. So a lot of the people that he wrote about in Profiles of Courage were also chosen to have their portraits that are still up there to this day. I don't understand how you could ever yeah. possibly put John Calhoun as the top five anything other than terrifying humans. <laughs> also, every time I hear the name Robert LaFollette, uh-huh. um, what do you think of? I imagine the Bulls like starting lineup announcer, like doing oh. it with Alan Parsons Project uh-huh. Serious in the background. Great song. <laughs> Gosh, it's like, a good song. I'm not kidding. Ever since I was in like high school and Robert LaFollette first started popping up into my brain sphere. Every time it's the yeah. doom, 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 doom. It's from Wisconsin, yeah, yeah, Robert LaFollette. That's a good Bulls announcer impersonation. Yeah. It's good. It's Thank nice. you. That's one thing. My eight year old, uh, just pulling opening the kimono here a little bit. Yeah, my eight year old is very into <laughs> that's a great term. <laughs> thank you for wow thank you for that visual uh, of you in a silky kimono <laughs> uh he's very into like everything basketball right now and we listen to him like doing starting lineups and like doing play-by-play in his room when he's playing That's on so the nerf hoop i need to show him a chicago bulls starting lineup like, i'm surprised he hasn't seen one yet well it was the early 90s okay yeah. uh, when i was eight when yeah. that was happening yeah. <laughs> so when i was your age yeah um yeah. but like he thinks starting lineups are pretty cool in yeah, general. Like, they are. So he's never seen the goat yeah. of all starting lineup. Like there's, that, yeah. there'll never be a better. No. That's the Batman thing. That is not serious by the Alan Parsons Project. <laughs> also, fun fact: yeah. Sirius uh, has lyrics. Does it? After the first like two and a half, three minutes, there's a song yeah. there with lyrics. Huh. Alan Parsons Project has a great song called "The Eye in the Sky." That Alan Parsons is about the CIA. About Alan Dulles, actually. <laughs> yeah. uh, they sued Lady Annabellum when they were still called that because their song, Need You Now, is kind of like Caribbean Queen and Billie Jean. Because it was their response to Eminem's front. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no. Anyway, uh, the Kennedy's daughter, Caroline, was born on November 27th, 1957, during the time that her dad was trying to get reelected for the Senate. And the Kennedys posed with their infant daughter for the cover of the April 21st, 1958 issue of Life magazine. So they were definitely in the public eye. Speaking of magazines, Uh this book often, often mentions the magazine Red Book. Do you remember this magazine? It was yeah. a magazine for like slightly overweight white women in their 50s. Yeah. Yes. I, I vaguely remember like, hearing about Red Book in popular <laughs> culture. Sure. But yeah. the, it's mentioned multiple times in this yeah. book, like how often he was in Red Book. And I was like, <laughs> wait, wait, what? Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's like the Tiger Beat of uh, 1958. The yeah, I have a I have a note about how often <laughs> Red Book is mentioned. <laughs> Red Book. As soon as you said Life Magazine, I was yeah. like, oh, oh yeah, oh yeah, Red Book. So, did <laughs> I'm sure I can't imagine how many people I just offended by describing what Red Book is. <laughs> yeah, you should. <laughs> Someone just looked over and there's a stack of Red Books, just like window high. And then and they look out. down and they're oh. like, maybe I should work out. So Red Book got a lot of Kennedy interviews. Like, were there quotes from Red Book? Dude, yes. Yeah. Like, he, mm. I don't know if maybe the book, like, shifted directions at some point with where their focus was. Maybe it was kind of a different magazine that's then than thinking. it was now. Maybe it kind that's of That's what I mean. Yeah. Like, that's literally what I mean by shifted directions. Good night. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> Red, Red Book. book. Yeah. Oh, yeah. With JFK, JFK on the cover. Yeah. See, that's not the same Red Book. Uh-uh. That it's is not. A, very no, different. That's a different they got a new editor that was like, I've got a new idea. Yeah, we're going to pivot. <laughs> There's no crockpot recipes. We're going to pivot. Yeah. 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 How do you guys feel about ambrosia salad? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're like yeah. marshmallows. Let's yeah. do it. Throw it on top. Well, in uh, 58, he's reelected to a second term in the Senate, and he credited his wife Jackie's visibility as vital in securing his victory, calling her simply invaluable. Uh, he joins the Foreign Relations Committee, which he basically used as a platform to attack Eisenhower's policies, claiming that the U.S. was on the wrong side of a missile gap with the Soviet Union. And he was really positioning himself for the nomination in 60 at mm-hmm. this time during the, the second term of his Senate and the, residency. And through this whole time, like, really did not like LBJ, nor did LBJ like him. Yeah. As he was doing really early campaigning. And yep. he basically just, like, ran on, like, I'm good looking and look yeah. at my wife. I'm tan. And, like, oh, she's here again. She's also good looking, too. Yeah. Well, how wild. Yeah. Don't you want to have good looking people yeah. in charge? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm being... Trying to be funny, but that that was the actual plan. Yeah, like, it, was, <laughs> I mean, not you're right though. Like it was not like even, the actual stated plan. Like we'll go off you being cool, good looking. Even before they brought tons of celebrities into the White House, the Kennedys in the Senate, he would were go in like he would be on VIP. Red Book and the cover of Red Book, and he'd be like, "Hey, everybody, come see how good I look." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you mentioned LBJ. He also faced off against uh, Adlai Stevenson, Hubert Humphrey for the nomination in 60. He also faced opposition from former President Harry Truman, who was basically, he was like, this guy's inexperienced. But he wins on nomination on the first ballot. Man shakes fist at cloud. The, his, his, uh, yeah, that was kind of what Truman was doing at yeah. the time. He was like, yep. he's too young. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, when he was nominated and won, he gave his well-known New Frontier speech. That was, no, that was before. The New Frontier speech was his campaign slogan. But he gave a New Frontier speech at the convention. Which would mean that he hasn't won the presidency yet. Oh, you mean the He's using this. Yeah, he has the slogan, then he's got the speech. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, It says, quote, For the problems are not all solved and the battles are not all won, and we stand today on the edge of a new frontier. But the new frontier of which I speak is not a set of promises. It's a set of challenges. It sums up not what I intend to offer the American people, but what I intend to ask of them. Can a nation organized and governed such as ours endure? That is the real question. Have we the nerve and the will? Are we up to the task? Are we equal to the challenge? That is the question of the new frontier. That is the choice our nation must make. A choice between the public interest and the private comfort, between national greatness and national decline. All mankind waits upon our decision. A whole world looks to see what we will do. We cannot fail their trust. We cannot fail to try. I feel like we really missed an opportunity, both of us, to read that 
in a very New England Boston accent. <laughs> Dang it. If we could only go back in time and yeah. do it again. If yeah. we could go back in time, <laughs> if I could find a way to sing the new frontier speech in, in a, a Boston accent. accent. If I could turn back time, <laughs> if I could find a way. I think that uh, this is where we should take I'd take back, back all the things that would hurt you, and you'd say, <laughs> if I could reach the stars, um, I'd give them all to you. <laughs> so we're going to take a break. I'd take back all the back, words that hurt you. We're going to... Yeah. Bring Russ in, and Russ is going to tell us a little bit about that speech yep. and other speech on the Presequential Podcast. You're listening to The Cosmopolitan. We'll be right back. Facing the transition out of the military is rarely easy. It doesn't help that the staggering number of options you're faced with can be overwhelming. But there's a light at the end of that tunnel for all veterans. And that light shines brightest here in Indiana. Lucrative careers in fast-growing industries are plentiful. Housing costs are amongst the lowest in the nation. And you can live in the country while being less than an hour from a world-class city. At InVets, we're showing veterans how to translate the valuable skills they've learned to the civilian world while connecting them with careers they can be proud of so they can lead fulfilling, purposeful lives. Go to InVets, that's I-N-V-E-T-S dot org. Create a profile to learn more about Indiana communities, browse the current open job openings in these communities, and receive your free shirt. That's InVets, I-N-V-E-T-S dot org. Welcome back, friends. So it's Kennedy and LBJ against Nixon and Adlai Stevens. No, Henry Cabot Lodge Jr. Sorry. There we go. And uh, there's a lot of animosity towards or, or concern, rather, from a lot of people about Kennedy's Catholicism. And yeah, because they thought he was going to be beholden to the Pope. Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> this is, yeah. yeah. Uh, he said uh, in September 12th, 1960, in front of the Greater Houston Ministerial Association, quote, I am not the Catholic. Relax. <laughs> Relax. <laughs> I'm not the Catholic candidate for president. I'm the Democratic Party candidate for president who also happens to be a Catholic. I do not speak for my church on public matters, and the church does not speak for me. So I want to say I haven't even been in years. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so between September and October of 60, Kennedy and Nixon square off. Uh, by the way, Nixon was the first vice president in the history of the modern two-party system to win the presidential nomination in his own right. So interesting thing about Nixon. Little known fact about him. Hold on. Say that again. He's the first VP oh, in you're the saying, history of the okay. modern two-party yeah. system to win the nomination on his own. Right. Yeah. Which is debatable, but yeah. Speaking of debates, they the first nobody ever wins an election on their own. It's the first it's a ever team effort. It's a team. It takes a village. <laughs> it's the first ever televised U.S. presidential debate. Seventy million people tune in. Yeah, Nixon had an here's, injury. Here's the one thing you remember from high school, everyone. Yeah, right. So <laughs> Nixon had an injury. It was interesting because they asked the people who listened on the radio and talk they about said your that, dog. Talk about the dog. T- t- tell them, tell them that they're tell not taking the dog. Tell away. them about Sniffles, whatever his name. People was. on the radio thought Nixon outperformed. What was it? Butternuts. Um, it Snuggles. doesn't matter. Snuggles. Sniffles. Sniffles. Squiggles. People, on the, people who listened on the radio thought Nixon did better than Kennedy, but people who watched right. Kennedy on TV thought he far outperformed Nixon, who had an injured leg, a five o'clock shadow. He was sweaty, tense, looked uncomfortable under the lighting. Kennedy, on the other hand, wore makeup. He was relaxed. He was very photogenic. And so this was basically the point in... Checkers. 
Checkers was the name of Nixon's Checkers. dog that he yeah didn't give back. Uh, but was the radio thing true? Like for yeah. some reason, I remember in the book or something, it was like that whole like that was more of like a rumor. Like that was oh. it was blown out of proportion over the years that it actually sounded like he did better. Yeah, or maybe I'm misremembering that altogether. Yeah, I've been wrong once before. But this is a big deal in American political history, especially modern political history. It's basically the medium of TV is changing things very rapidly mm-hmm. and will only continue to do so even up to this current day. Now we only have large TVs. Yes. Uh, on election, no big ones that could fit in your pocket. Did you ever, did you ever have like the giant big screen TV? Like did, did, a high, did a college roommate ever have like a big screen TV that was like yeah. the size of a room? Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. So we had one that got broken. Well, the green. Uh, so those are made and if, when you pop them open. Yeah. Uh, there's basically three projectors. There's a red, green, and blue. Yep. Our green one went out in college. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it, t- it turns out like buying a new green like backlighting thing yeah. is like prohibitively expensive for oh, a college wow. student. Yeah. And now I would assume that if I look back at it, it was like 25 bucks and we were like, good night. <laughs> so we took the screen out okay. and put another TV in it. Like wow. the big screen TV oh, became the TV stand. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. Kind of like a turducken. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was exactly like a turducken. Yeah. It was yep. a TV ducken. <laughs> On election day, Kennedy defeated Nixon in the... Oh, oh time out. Yeah. Cool. Uh, actually, there were rumors that are relatively substantiated that Nixon's camp tried to break into a New York City hospital to steal JFK's medical records. Foreshadowing. Yeah. Yeah. So we have a pattern. Tricky dick. (laughs) Well, on election day, Kennedy and LBJ defeats Nixon in the closest presidential election since 1888. Wildly close. 120,000 votes, give or take. 118. This was, uh, do you remember the, you probably don't, but the election of 1888 was Indiana Senator Benjamin Harrison, who defeated the incumbent Democrat president, Grover Cleveland. Grover Cleveland. I always Uh, get those two confused. And I do the podcast about it. Yeah. (laughs) Listen, we've been through 35. There was a day when we were like, are we ever going to get to Kennedy? What's weird, because when you said, I was like, who are we recording this week? And you were like, JFK. And I was like, oh, it's real. We're almost done. Yeah, we're getting there. Like, what are we going to do next? Yes. Uh, Ryan asked that question like once a month. I know. (laughs) We text each other and we're like, that's a future us problem. Yeah. Yeah. That's a future Russ problem. And by the way, (laughs) if you are a patron, by the way, I know we keep bringing this up. Up because it is a growing community. If you are a patron, you're going to hear the, that news first, and you're going to hear these bonus episodes that we're recording uh, before anyone else as well. So probably before me, yeah. Like it's going to be something Ryan just comes up with it, <laughs> like sends it out to go. patrons in his basement. He's yeah. like, I just did a Facebook Live, guys. I know what the next wait, podcast. Wait, what? So he defeats Nixon. It's super uh, narrow in the popular vote. He beats him in the Electoral College 303 to 219. There were some electors from Mississippi and Alabama who refused to support him because of his support for the Civil Rights Movement. Uh, (laughs) Shocker there. Uh, Kennedy became... Wow. Andy's a Catholic. Yeah. Two strikes. Yeah. Kennedy became the youngest person ever elected to the presidency at 43 years old, though Teddy Roosevelt was a year younger at 42 when he automatically assumed the office after McKinley's assassination Bully. in 1901. <laughs> Bully! Bully! So if you're ever watching Jeopardy and they were saying who was the youngest president to become president, it's TR. But Theodore. the youngest president to be elected JFK. was JFK at 43. So... Uh, a little over two weeks after winning the election, Jackie gave birth to the couple's first son, John Jr., on November 25th, 1960. Did they call him Jack Jr. also? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know. Jack Jack. 
They probably couldn't call him Jackie fast? because he's just running Jackie. around the White House. Oh my God! Time. Yeah, I just realized that Jackie, his Jackie. name was Jack and her name was Little Jackie. Story Jack about Jack and Jackie. 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 Jack and Everyone Jackie. was called Jack, including Caroline. She would answer to Jack as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's bizarre. Yeah. Is it? And if they yeah. were wearing coats, yeah, that'd that's be bizarre. Jack's jacket. Doom, 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 doom. How bizarre. How bizarre. Acrobats and elephants. <laughs> Sister Sarah says funky. How bizarre. <laughs> how bizarre. How bizarre. Uh, uh, so he's sworn in 35th president, uh, January 20th, 1961. In his inaugural address, he spoke of the need for all Americans to be active citizens, famously saying, and he borrowed a motto from his days at Choate, <laughs> whose motto was, ask not what Choate can do for you, ask what you can do for Choate. <laughs> Are you he serious? He borrowed it. One of our most famous quotes was originally, ask not what Choate can do for you. <laughs> He, he borrowed it from his prep school days. Bananas country we yeah. live in. Yeah. <laughs> Ask what you can do for Choate. We've, we've seen a lot gosh. of uh, inauguration ceremonies where there's a poet. Laureate. A poet laureate, yeah. It's Kennedy started that laureate. tradition. He asked Robert Frost, who was 87 at the time. He, uh, he asked Robert Frost to recite the poem, The Gift Outright. But Frost wrote an entirely new poem for the new president entitled Dedication. But there was a problem. It was a very sunny and bright day. And 87-year-old Robert Frost had trouble reading the copy of the poem that he brought with him. So instead, he recited... Kennedy's initial request, the gift outright from memory instead, which is pretty It was like an opposite William Henry Harrison day. Yeah, it must have been really short. Mm. Well, also bright and sunny and nice. Got it, as opposed to, yeah, chilly. Two months into office, so this is early 61, Kennedy created the Peace Corps, if you've ever heard of that, which I'm sure you have. Um, By the end of the 20th century, the Peace Corps would have sent nearly 200,000 American volunteers to over 135 nations. Are we sure... (laughs) Are we sure the Peace Corps are real? Like, <laughs> like not a front for something, or it's an actual thing? imminence front. Have yeah. you ever met anyone? People's in the front Peace of Judea. Peace Corps. Um, that movie Airplane, right? They were yeah. in the Peace Corps. That's. I mean, I've only saying, ever heard of the Peace Corps in movies. Yeah. Are you saying Airplane is a propaganda film? Well, that's obvious. All right. The, um, By Alan Dulles, who has an airport named after him. No, yeah. that's his brother Charles Foster. Yeah. Duh. Sorry. The, <laughs> for real, do you know anybody that's ever been? Nope. Like, the Peace Corps is a, no. 100% a thing that's only in movies. Well, in yeah, life. and I've heard about it somewhat, like, pejoratively. Like, oh, you're going to go just join the Peace Corps? Yeah. That's basically how I've heard about it, but I don't know anyone in it. Hmm. Yeah. I'm, I don't. I don't. Okay. Yeah, well, so, anyway. Yeah. Burn the proofs on you, Peace Corps. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> So there's a lot brewing at this time. There's Berlin. There's communist China. There's stuff going on in Southeast Asia. Yeah, his all, first hundred days were not. It, 1961 is crazy. 62 gets a little crazier. But he'd been in office for two months when he ordered the impl- implementation of a covert CIA plan that he inherited from Eisenhower to take out Cuban leader Fidel Castro. You've heard of the Bay of Pigs invasion. Well, he basically gave the green light based on the advice from his military counselors and the CIA saying this is going to work. Dulles. That was Dulles. Yeah, that was Alan Dulles. So April 17th, 1961, in the early hours, 1,500 anti-Castro Cuban refugees landed at the Bay of Pigs on Cuba's southern coast. 
but Castro quickly overwhelmed them. And there was a cover story in D.C. that basically quickly collapsed. Kennedy, of course, denied yeah. knowing about it. But basically, he had egg on his face after that. So a couple of things. It effectively, like, they did have indirect fire that was like, well, airstrikes. And the airstrikes were, like, missing their targets or going to the wrong targets altogether. So ineffective airstrikes combined with the anti-Castro fighting force didn't mesh with our fighters that yeah. were there. So basically the people that were hired, the people that were supposed to be indigenous, like uprisers did not mesh with the actual covert undercover soldiers yeah. that were there, yeah. which is what led to the failed coup, um, which I guess at that point it's not really a coup, right? If we're the ones doing it, <laughs> he did accept full responsibility mm-hmm. for it. He did say it was his fault and he took the sole blame and it sent him to a deep depression. Yeah. This was really hard for him. Two <clears throat> months into office, just a couple months later, actually maybe just a month later, in May of 61, he sent the special forces over to train South Vietnamese troops in counterinsurgency warfare. So basically, if you remember, like since the early 50s, we had France. been sending quote unquote military advisors yeah. to support France. France in its war against the communists in Vietnam. Right. But basically, war continued to spread, and by the end of his presidency uh, in 63, there were 16,000 of these military, quote-unquote, advisors that would be serving in Vietnam. So Bay of Pigs starts to send over special forces that would then lead to uh, a greater presence in Vietnam. June of 61, so a month after that, he is meeting with Khrushchev, Nikita Khrushchev in Vienna, the Russian premier. Khrushchev is renewing his threat to basically solve the long-running problem in Berlin. Kennedy is... Not being backed into a corner in this sense, but he basically has to face down this Soviet leader. And then just two months after that, in August of 61, the Soviets and East Germans put up the wall uh, in Berlin. So Cold War's going on. The Iron Curtain is in play. And that's basically his first hundred days, give or take. Wow. Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, the Berlin Wall was essentially built because... They were like hemorrhaging people. That's what it was. Mm-hmm. Like all these people were just leaving East Berlin. Correct. Like, we got to get out of here. Yep. Because this isn't good. And he was like, uh, no, yep. we need you people here. Yep. Because we need you to work. Uh, um, November of 61, <laughs> he backed the CIA Operation Mongoose to continue to try to take out Castro in Cuba. So even though he was humiliated by the Bay of Pigs, a handful of months later, he is still trying to uh, destabilize that regime. Bobby really pushed that, too. Uh Also, along this whole entire time, reporters did have a relatively unfair look at him for his affairs. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Because, like, they completely ignored LBJ's nookie room. Sure. And the fact that LBJ... (laughs) Yeah. That was the thing. When he was vice president, he actually called it the nookie room. And everyone (laughs) knew it was called the nookie room. And it was, you know, for... I mean, it's not surprising. No, the amount of he, times he took out his... Yeah, like he's yeah. famous for just pulling his yeah. uh, member out himself. Yeah. His choke. Yeah. His choke. <laughs> member of Congress. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I hope he called it he that. Had oh, no, member of he, Congress. He hey. had uh, a yeah. nickname for it. We'll Sexual talk Congress. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about it next Sexual episode. Sexual Congress. So, <clears throat> yeah. You're right, though. I mean, the, the affairs... I mean, Kennedy was known but to he have... Did, a, he would get, like, headaches if he didn't have... He said he had, right, he had to sleep with a woman once every three days or else he would get headaches. Yeah. That was a thing that he said out loud. Yeah. 
That's not a real condition, right? Well, I mean, he had every other condition, right? Like, he probably had headaches so much, he's like, you know what it is? I haven't had sex in three days. That's a good point, yeah. Yeah, I I figured it out. It must be a direct correlation, yeah. Yeah. Do we skip over the moonshot? (laughs) What do you mean the moonshot? That's what everybody calls his speech about going to the moon. It's Kennedy's moonshot. That's why, like, big home runs are called moonshots. Because, like, it was a really ambitious thing for him to do. Did you think I was, like, trying to be funny? I just didn't know Probably. where you were going. I think that's in either I'm not 62 wrong about that, or 63. Right? Like, about that's the moonshot? Yeah, the, the term. My notes just, like, literally abruptly okay. end. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. Here's what happens in the spring of 62 that's a little bit of foreshadowing as well. So he installs listening devices, yeah. secret listening devices, which, recording devices in the Oval Office. The recordings of Nixon and Elvis. Yeah. Thank God. Oh, yeah. yeah. So that's all because of Kennedy. Thanks, buddy. And no one necessarily knows why, but the theory is is that he wanted to have a personal record of his time to one day write his memoirs and remember everything that was going on. But Or to have someone else write his memoirs. So maybe this is a good <laughs> time to bring in Russ. Hey Russ, how you doing, man? Hello. Normally you cover our uh vice presidents, and for those of you who may not be longtime listeners of the podcast, Russ uh read one book on the vice presidents while Blaine and I have to date read uh, far more than that. Thousands. Uh, but we're not talking about a VP today, right? <laughs> we're talking about who. Uh, yeah, because who is his VP? We're going to talk about him soon, right? So Lyndon Baines Johnson was yeah, his right. VP. Nookie Man. Nookie yeah. Man, the Nookie Room. It's called the Nookie Room. That's, just yeah. everybody knew. Yeah. yeah. I'm excited about that episode. <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about Ted Sorensen. Okay. Who he was. was the, he played Sam in uh, Cheers, right? Oh man! You're, so you're going Sometimes Ted Malone? You go. <laughs> Is that not Ted Sorensen? No, but I heard the name Ted Sorensen. I assumed he was Canadian, but he's not uh, Canadian. No, is oh. he not? Yeah, it sounds is he like a real... local weatherman. No, <laughs> Ted, Ted Sorensen for the yeah. weather. He was the confidant and primary speechwriter for Kennedy. Yeah, a lot of the speeches that we've actually talked about thus far and. Pulitzer Prize-winning books that we've talked about were actually written by him and not by Kennedy. Yeah. Oh, did you just not want to say Profiles and Courage? Oh, now we got to drink. Cheers. Yeah. I was so so Sorensen's the one that wrote most of Profiles and Courage. Yeah. And if I remember correctly, he came out and straight up said that he wrote. Yeah, there what, was was a, the quote? what was the quote? It was much later. Yeah. There was a quote by Sorensen that said, Sorensen wrote most of the words in all of the sentences in Profiles of Courage. <laughs> Yeah, that's such a great way of still kind of giving the president credit just yeah. enough. Well, yeah. he did that a lot. Like he he tried to because he was part of JFK's inner circle. Yeah. So he wrote a lot of the famous speeches that we attribute to JFK. The inaugural address, the ask not what your country can do for you, but what choke can do for your country. <laughs> that wasn't Good the inauguration. Tonight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, and the lyrics to Turn Back Time by Cher. Yeah. I think Sorensen wrote as well. I'm not familiar uh, with the song. auto tune. <laughs> <laughs> T Pain. He's the T in T Pain. He is the T in T Pain. Yeah, Ted Sorensen <laughs> Pain. That's Sorensen little known Pain. fact. T Pain's full name is Ted right. Sorensen right. Pain. Yeah. Um, Did he write the Moonshot speech? You know what? I'm not sure you were talking about it, but I assume. If it sounds yeah, like he wrote everything else the guy he, said. He, he really Which, did. The Kennedy one was like, we do these things not because they are easy, but because they are hard. When I, I think that probably I'd be surprised if anybody since Kennedy wrote their own speeches. I bet you no one says their own words anymore. Huh. Presidentially. Okay. All right. 
I think it depends on the president. Maybe yeah. W. Some go off the script a lot. Yeah. yeah maybe they do. W. Yeah, they yeah. do. Yeah. <laughs> what was the one about the fish? It's like one day man and fish you know, are meant to coexist peacefully. <laughs> He, I don't remember he's, that one. he's fun. Yeah, he is. Like, and I, I genuinely mean that. Yeah, yeah, like, he, he is. is fun. Russ yeah. does not like him. No, and like, how do you get? From, <laughs> no, does like, anybody like it? Like, as a on, president, like, I'm sure the, he's fine to have a beer with. I or, think, yeah, I or think throw that's a, a pitch good, out. It's like on the rubble, fair. on the rubble of the World Trade Center. He's like the world. Can, I can hear it you. Did, the yeah, like, that was I mean, that's fantastic that's, leadership. It's great in that moment. Did he talk about a fish? Not but then there, later, Russ. talking not there, but that was after quote. the war crimes. There's a quote about like fish and man coexisting. <laughs> it's it's pretty great. We'll we'll talk about it. In he has a, I have one of his books. One his book where of he paints. He oh paints yeah, people. yeah, yeah. I have, I have one of his books of his paintings. Yeah. Two of my friends are in the book. That's cool. They're not great. If you've seen the book, the paintings aren't great. Oh, Russ, he's old, but the people are great. Yeah, but the paintings. I forgot. Yeah, great. I forgot. You hate the troops. I do. <laughs> Talk to us about Ted Sorensen. Yeah, so he did write the "Ask not what your country can do for you, what can you do for your country?" Choked. Just that. It's like, what did you guys used to say at choked <laughs> back in the day? You used to say this choke thing all the time. Ah, I feel like that, that'll play. That'll play. In but this that speech. being said, he always gave the credit to Kennedy on all this stuff. On what's Profiles crazy is like all the speeches. You know that the the headmaster. Of Choate yeah. was sitting at home listening to that. <laughs> like stone face, not even excited. He was like, That's right, that's Choate Man right there. That's a, that's a good like, choke just man. Never did yeah. anything unserious in his entire mm. Mm. tweed. There's tweed involved. Yeah. He has a pipe. Like uh, I'm just garters. angry thinking about it. Yeah. So after the Bay of Pigs, yeah. so at first Sorensen was kind of his confidant and speechwriter. After the Bay of Pigs, he actually brought him in as a advisor to foreign affairs okay. so the the whole inner circle he had the XCOM or yeah. whatever it was yeah ted Sorensen was was right inside of that so especially for the cuban missile crisis oh yeah that's coming up did we not talk about that already? not yet but go into it go ahead so i'm on Chote's website <laughs> <laughs> what's their mascot, what, what's Chote's mascot? uniquely choke <laughs> that's their new it's their mono. Find their mascot, would you? <laughs> yeah, you got it. <laughs> yeah, what's his name? Just give me a minute. Keep I feel going. Like you need to be so careful going to that website. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> oh, it looks athletics. like show eight. Yeah, C H O A T E. Yeah. T. I mean, that would be choked. It's like yeah. throat choked. Yeah. <laughs> During the Cuban Missile Crisis, yep, there was a. <laughs> They're the wild boars. <laughs> The wild boars of Chote? Why? They're in Connecticut. Why are they the wild boars? They're the fighting boars of Chote? The wild the boars. The wild boars. Yeah. Huh. Cheerio. Cheerio. Huh. Okay. Oh, Mary right, Atwater Chote. It was originally a school for girls. Oh. Mm-hmm. Headmistress. Squire Stanley. <laughs> Hold on. I'm going through. Headmaster George St. Saint- George St. John. Ah. Uh, That's a made up choke master. I really hope this is just a different choke. <laughs> I hope this is a different choke, and I'm just like going all in. on Does it say anything about Kennedy on uh, www.choke.edu? <laughs> no, no, it doesn't. So maybe this is a different choke. Hold on, yeah, because he'd be on. Oh, page you one. know, they'd be like, he's our guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what did he do in the Cuban Missile Crisis <laughs> while while Blaine is? T- I don't even know. Yeah. No. no, it's the same one. It's the same choke. <laughs> the same. 
The Choke News is the newspaper. Oh, that's okay. The Daily Choke. <laughs> <laughs> the Muckers. The Muckers. When 1931, muckers? Kennedy entered Choate as the third form student. See, that's just get out of here. Yeah. Like, he's a freshman. Yeah. But they call him third form. What? Like, West Point does that too. They've got names like plebes and cows. But and, are there uh, numbers that don't coincide with the year that he entered? Like, is there a <clears throat> first dude. and a second? Or is the. F- so the Ask Not thing came from George St. John's. Yeah. Uh, one of his chapel talks. You knew this? Yeah. He All was the original Choteman. The youth who <laughs> loves St. his John. alma mater will always ask, not what can she do for me, but what can I do for her? So it was not Choate. Choate was not. Borrowed. It's borrowed better. The, the original version that we had was better. That's not what Choate can do for you, but that's <clears> what. <laughs> JFK was voted most likely to succeed at Choate. So. Uh, when they would be out on the football field, like they had to have pretty sweaty Choates out there, right? <laughs> mm, yeah. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Sorry, uh, Russ. We're really derailing sorry, the Russ, vice president. Sorry, sorry, no, man. you just keep saying Choate over and over. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. We're at about, school, man. Well, I don't want you to talk about the Cuban Crisis. Cuban Missile Crisis. <clears throat> so during the Cuban Missile Crisis, I mean, fall, fall of '62. Yes, is where we are. And there was the 13 day period there yeah. called the 13 days of something. Choke. I figured you guys it's when the, it's basically that. when the world was holding its breath, wondering yeah. if we're going like to go to nuclear war. 13 days, you <laughs> knew it had a name, and you were like, they'll fill it in. They'll no, fill it in. No, what was it? They read the book that's like a thousand pages. Well, we also read it like six sure. months ago. Yeah, it's been a while yeah. since I read So on day 12 of day 13, yeah. there was a letter sent to Nikita Khrushchev. Yeah. And that was basically a way for him to. They needed to find a way for Khrushchev to seem like he had gotten his way. Yes. Right? He was able to back down without losing face yeah. with the with the Russians. That letter that was sent was written by Bobby Kennedy and Ted Sorensen. And it was a very thought out, logical response to Khrushchev having missiles in Cuba. But it was basically signed to President John Kennedy. It was. Is what you're and, saying. And, and Kennedy, um, there's transcripts of this. Kennedy would kind of like drop by as Bobby and Ted were writing the letter and he'd he'd basically say, how's it going? Yeah. And they were like, get out of here. Like mm-hmm. they kept kind of pushing him out of the room. They're yeah. like, you don't need to be part of this just yet. Yeah. And it was a very logical way that it was written so everybody could save face. Yeah. There was also something in the agreement and it might have been in that letter. I don't know. But. Basically, there was a blockade that we that Kennedy did around Cuba. Basically, they called a, it a quarantine, a quarantine of the island. You know, if you want to learn more about the Cuban Missile Crisis, go go look up Fall of '62, check it out. But basically, Soviets are shipping ballistic missiles within what ninety miles of you know uh, mm-hmm. Florida, and Kennedy's not having it. Does a blockade around the island with the Navy. Khrushchev and and uh, Kennedy are looking like we're about to go into nuclear war with one another. Kennedy promised not to invade Cuba, but also secretly promised to withdraw American nuclear missiles Mm -hmm. that were based in Turkey. So he said, Khrushchev, you you pull out of Cuba. The American public won't know this, but we'll pull out of Turkey. We'll call this thing a day. And so it took a while to finally... They would have to know we were in Turkey to be able to know that we're pulling out of it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, So we don't go to nuclear war. I have a question about Khrushchev. Not Mm -hmm. necessarily about Turkey. Sure. Was he an eyebrows one? 
Was he one of the no. eyebrows? Was know. he a hair so. or no hair? I thought he that was Brezhnev. Brezhnev had the eyebrows. Oh, yes, but he to, did. Yeah. <clears throat> but I don't there's, think there's, there's the had a lot of hair. Khrushchev there's was the, the one who was banging the shoe on the podium at the, uh, was it the United Nations in a speech? He took you're a familiar with and, the Russian hair theory, right? No. So every other Russian premier, czar, whatever, okay. has hair or doesn't. Okay. So we're currently in a no hair Russia. So Lenin was bald. Stalin was hair. Khrushchev was bald. Who was after Stalin? Brezhnev? Uh, no, uh, um, Brezhnev was Nixon, wasn't he? I don't, dude. I can't remember. Nobody knows. Yeah. So it, whoever was after Stalin would have had to have been bald. So it would have had to have been Khrushchev. It it's been depends. literally since Stalin, like every other has been bald or has had hair. Okay. Yeah. And Brezhnev, yes, I, wins the award for biggest eyebrows. Malenkov, then Khrushchev. I'm just looking it up here really quick. It it doesn't matter, but I'm, now I'm curious. Malenkov, Khrushchev, Brezhnev was after him. Oh, yeah, that is weird. Looking it up. And then Gorbachev. Yeah, all right. Gorbachev cool. had the like, mole thing, right? He had a birthmark that looked like China on his forehead, basically. <laughs> anyway, anything else about Ted Sorensen? No, so, he like saved the world with that letter. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, we ruined your segment. It's not ruined. Chode. You're, 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 <laughs> chode, 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 chode. <laughs> with the T at the end. So the Cuban Missile Crisis is over. Yeah. So let's talk about the moon. Yeah. Real quick. So there's this insane Russian human named Yuri Gagarin. Gagarin. Yeah. Gagarin. Yeah. Gagarin died horrible, grisly death. Yeah. He's like for a, those of you that don't like the like heat shield thing failed in yes. his rocket coming back to earth. And he like quite literally burned to death coming back into the atmosphere. And, uh, it was all on film there's or not very, like video, but recorded. There's a very infamous photo of, of like, what's Russian left of him. Space doctors looking at, at your <laughs> scientists, charred corpse, space. Doctors. Do you mean scientists? You space mean the doctors. word scientist nope, is a thing that doctors. exists. Space Russian doctors. space doctors. You can see, yeah, though that photo is very famous and you yeah. can see like that, like he was a national or internationally renowned hero. He kind of yeah. crossed picket lines because of how badass that dude was. And when I say cross picket lines, I mean like there were Americans that respected him even into the time where like everybody hated Russians and coming. Wait, like I Hoover. Don't, I don't think Gagarin was the one who burned up in reentry. Wasn't he? Uh, there there were several other cosmonauts that were in training and I think one of them so they was really a they never figured out the heat shield thing then. <laughs> Gagarin was the he was obviously the first one in outer space. But he died in 68. So that doesn't mean he didn't die. But it was... Uh, you're giving he, me a year. You're it, answering it, a he, different he question. He died in a MiG training jet that he was piloting with another cop. To space. To he, space, yeah. Look it up. <laughs> Burned. Here we go. Let's see what comes up. Vladimir Komarov. Yeah, that's what I said. It wasn't Gagarin. His comrade. I'm pretty sure he said it was him. Coming off. Coming off. <laughs> Anyway, there's he also went to Choate, the <laughs> the first international student at Choate. His, little known fact: his Choate looks pretty charred. <laughs> that's, a, uh, that's one charred so, Choate. Because of Yuri Gargan, Gargarin, and Kamenacha burning up in space, he was like, "Well, let me just pull it up." Okay, all yeah. right. Kennedy Moon speech. Here we go. Written probably by Ted Sorensen. Yeah. Probably. Ted yeah. Sorensen's moon speech. Ted, yeah. yeah. Here we go. Let me find it here. Uh, but also, like, while you're looking for it, most there were a lot of NASA scientists that were like, uh, Mr. President, 
the moon is a part of space. Like yeah. space exploration is important. Like let's not put all of our eggs in this basket because there are more things we want to do. And he was like, uh, I'm sorry, you're fired. The moon is the only thing. Well, he wanted to do it by, <laughs> I think he, he said he wanted to do it by 1970. I remember reading like in public, the message from Kennedy was he was very pro space, but behind the scenes he had certain doubts, which I think would be natural at the time to be like, we've never done this before. How are we doing it? I, I can't find the yeah. exact quote, but here we go. I'm it's probably this. in Red Book. Have you looked there? Yeah, did you look in Red Book? That's actually where he did the exclusive moonshot interview. <laughs> <laughs> but why some say the moon? And they may well ask, why climb the highest mountain? Well, 35 years ago, fly the Atlantic. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that goal will serve to organize and measure... The best of our energies and skills. End quote. Speaking of hard. Go choke. (laughs) Go wild boars of choke. We're going to take a break. You're listening to The Cosmopolitan, and we'll be right back. Hey, guys, it's Ryan. If you need custom-made T-shirts for your team or organization, look no further than our good friends here in Indy, The Art Press. The Art Press is a local, eco-friendly small business that's been around for years here in Indy, designing and printing all the super comfortable shirts you may have seen through their parent company's store, Vardigan. We've worked with them on our awesome new shirts that feature Thomas Jefferson writing a fire-breathing mastodon, and our experience couldn't have gone better. If you need help creating a design or you have your artwork ready, Ready to print, Derek and the team at The Art Press can help you get your orders set up online quickly and easily. Plus, they ship everywhere and offer excellent customer service. Get a quote on your order of shirts today at theartpress.com. That's theartpress.com. Welcome back. We hope you're enjoying this episode of the Presequential Podcast. It's now June of 1963, and Kennedy is traveling to West Germany and West Berlin to reinforce the U.S. alliance with West Germany. On June 26th of 63, he tours West Berlin, and he gives a speech in front of hundreds of thousands of enthusiastic Berliners and was met with an ecstatic response from them. And the speech is well known for the phrase that you've probably heard, Ich bin ein Berliner, meaning I am a resident of Berlin. Oh, yeah. And in that um, service, they had 99 red balloons floating in the summer sky. <laughs> they did set off some panic bells. It mm-hmm. was red alert. Something was there from somewhere else. <laughs> the war machine springs to life and opens up an eager eye. Thank you. Uh, they focused it on the sky because that's where the 99 red balloons were. Yeah. Luft balloons. 99 red luft balloons. <laughs> Also, I think there's some pronunciation thing. Russ looked this up because I think what he technically says is I'm a jelly-filled donut. A Berliner is a, is like a, a jelly-filled oh, yeah. powdered donut. You can still I'm sorry, what? I think what he's trying to say is, hey, I'm one of you. But what I think the exact I, translation is, is I, I'm a jelly-filled a jelly-filled donut. <laughs> Could be wrong. A couple months later, sadly for the Kennedys, on August 7th, 1963, Jackie gave birth to Patrick Bouvier Kennedy more than five weeks before her due date, and young Patrick died just two days later. Mm. So it was the second of four Kennedy children who sadly died young. Of course, we all know about the March on Washington that took place in August of 1963, in which Dr. King delivered his I Have a Dream speech. JFK did ask Bobby to help make sure that the million person march, march went off without a hitch. Yeah. But man, now that I say that, of course the book wanted to point out that a Kennedy 
helps the man that sucks that sucks sometimes you have those realizations in like real time <laughs> in the moment and you're like just god like, dang russ you found something out about uh ich bin ein berliner yeah he's a jelly donut he is a jelly okay. donut okay so i love that there probably was someone in the crowd that was like just keep clapping it's okay <laughs> yeah he's, he's american it's nina fine. was there like writing down the lyrics to the, as, as soon as you said it Stein Brenner or whatever. <laughs> Yule Brenner? Yes, yeah, George Steinbrenner. Um, George's boss. Ich bin ein Berliner. Uh, as soon as you said that, I was like, that sounds like it's in 99 Red Balloons. Yeah, so I immediately is. looked up the lyrics. It's in there somewhere. So it was around this time that four young girls uh, were killed by the KKK in September of 63 in Birmingham, the 16th Street Baptist Church. Dr. King arrives in Birmingham, tries to calm the black community, which is obviously shattered by this uh, horrific event. And police respond brutally to citizens there in Birmingham. And later that day, two black boys were shot and killed, one by a police officer, another by a white youth. So this is the, um, uh, you know, you can easily look at the 60s and you see the music and the pop culture things that happened. But there was a fabric that was being torn and, and rent that Kennedy is uh, right in the middle of. And so one thing that was a good thing that happened in the fall of 63 uh, was that Kennedy secured the limited nuclear test ban treaty with the UK and the Soviet Union, which limited the testing of nuclear weapons in space, underwater and in the Earth's atmosphere. And so Kennedy really cons- limited telling people that you were doing it what i said it limited oh, yeah. telling people you were doing it <laughs> there what was, was left underground oh i thought you said underground you didn't the underwater, underwater. Oh, yeah okay. underground i think was prohibited later maybe in clinton i can't remember okay. anyway it doesn't matter but they do whatever they want but kennedy considered <laughs> this to be his greatest accomplishment as president yeah he was also instrumental we've talked a little bit about space but he was really successful in the nation's space program and vowed to have americans on the moon by the end of the decade he made sure that the rockets were going to be launched from cape canaveral of course but he agreed to locate the headquarters of Manned Spacecraft Center in Texas, which was the home of his VP, LBJ, who had actually been head of the Senate subcommittee in charge of funding the space program several years prior. So Kennedy, though, unfortunately, would not live to see the landing of a man on the moon in July of 1969. Also over in South Vietnam, things are brewing and and broiling over there. Uh, Three weeks before Kennedy's death, South Vietnamese President Diem, D-I-E-M, was killed in a military coup, indirectly supported by the United States, which sent the situation in Southeast Asia further into a spiral. You you kind of bristled when I said indirectly. I'm sure that's what they want us to think. Okay, all right, there you go. I, I thought that's what you were saying. <laughs> yeah. What does that mean, indirectly supported? It means that we directly supported it, okay, and then we said that we didn't. Okay. Well, we all know the date, November 22nd of 1963, of course, but on November 21st, uh, JFK approved National Security Action Memo number 263, which called for the withdrawal of U.S. military advisors in Vietnam. However, the final version of this bill was changed under LBJ. So literally the day before. Almost everything that like he was trying to push. Yep. So civil rights, uh, pulling out of Vietnam, which... <laughs> Two years later, there would be 200,000 U.S. combat troops. Yeah, I mean, in well, we, th- that, we went the opposite way on yeah. that one. Yeah. There were a lot of things he was trying to champion that I guess now and historically we give him credit for, but mm-hmm. like in the moment, somebody else got credit for it, LBJ. Mm-hmm. But I do think that there was probably some sense of empathy, sympathy, and getting some of that stuff passed, right? Mm-hmm. Like, or even uh, guilt. 
to try to get it passed because there was staunch opposition to, mm-hmm. I mean, especially civil rights. Yeah. But then once he gets killed and MLK is killed, yes, it's real easy to be like, look, guys, like, see what happened, see what you did, like, vote for this. And then even people that don't necessarily want to vote for it or believe in it feel like they have to. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Uh, and I mean, I get it. That's a super cynic point of view. And I've probably done that more this episode than most, but like, we're talking about an individual who like if you, most people only think about him in the conspiracy theory world. Sure. Right. Like you think about him as attractive, uh, uh, well-spoken, rich, popular, but like the majority of things that are talked about is the conspiracy theory yeah. of how did he really die? Well, let's go to this day, November 22nd, uh, 63. Uh, the Kennedys uh, are in Dallas. Not just Dallas, but all over the state of Texas on a re-election campaign trip. Accompanying them in the motorcade through the city were Democratic Governor of Texas John Connolly and his wife Nellie. As it moved through Dealey Plaza, gunshots rang out. Uh, Governor Connolly was hit. President Kennedy was shot twice and was mortally wounded, of course. He was rushed to Parkland Memorial Hospital where he died. The shots that had been fired from a nearby warehouse. It's wild also like that he didn't die until he got to the hospital. Right, like you've seen the video. Yeah, the Zapruder film. Yeah, he he was probably pronounced dead. Yeah, he was that, pronounced that's probably dead. what there, that there meant. There was zero yeah. chance that yeah, there was was, you're surviving that. Yeah, police of course arrest warehouse employee Lee Harvey Oswald. Just a little bit about Oswald. If you don't know much about him, he's a mysterious former Marine who had defected to the Soviet Union, then returned again to the United States. Two days after the arrest, <laughs> while being transferred to another jail, he was killed by a Dallas nightclub Jack owner. Jack Ruby. Jack Ruby. Ruby was tried and convicted of murder in Oswald's death, and he died of cancer in January of 67 while awaiting a retrial in prison. I mean, if you really look at the video, like when Jack Ruby shoots like he actually falls the other way yeah, anything could happen there <laughs> do you think the cia gave jack ruby cancer <laughs> wow well, i mean it's in the it's in the conspiracy theory realm wow i just really like the idea of somebody going down a rabbit hole of trying to prove jack ruby didn't kill lee because yeah. wow. well, yeah. if you were like if you, if you don't know yeah like the famous video Very like he literally video. runs up to next to him like yeah. two feet away and, like yeah. pulls out a gun and shoots yeah. him yeah Point blank. Yeah, but I really do. I. I mean, in. I mean, it's it's the world, right? That like that person exists. There's a person sure. out there yeah. that is like sure. it wasn't Jack Ruby. Yeah, it was a, a traveler <laughs> from the future. Yeah, that right. Instantly appeared. Yeah. Blame, blame. Which reminds me, there's a James Franco pre-canceled James Franco Amazon show. Did he get called, canceled? Uh, oh, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, Sorry, yeah. I forgot. Eleven twenty-two sixty-three. Right. Yeah. And it's about him going back in time to stop jfk from getting assassinated but like the whole thing is is specifically about stopping lee harvey oswald so like in this movie uh uh, this uh, man acted alone and i'm not saying i do or don't believe it i'm just saying like we're ignoring lots of things okay and so and we talked about this in the break so we talked about did we want to talk about the the conspiracy theory or not so we're not going to dive into all of them. There's multiple podcasts yeah. that talk. And that's not really what we do, right? But in every episode, they're talking about a different theory. Like, go check out that podcast. But yeah. we're not that podcast. Yeah. But I will say, I understand where it comes from, right? Sure. Like, there are certain things that are close enough and convenient enough that, like, it doesn't take very big jumps, right? So, like, we were talking about Alan Dulles. He was fired by Kennedy when he was head of the CIA. It's very well known that after he was fired, multiple intelligence leaders went to him even after getting official orders. And it kind of he was 
pulling strings behind the scenes. He still wielded a lot of influence in the in the intelligence community. And two days before Kennedy died, he went to an official CIA like known location and disappeared for three days and reappeared after Kennedy died. Could that all be a coincidence? Sure. Is it very hard to step from those facts to Dulles had something to do with yeah. it? No, it's not. So I can completely understand why somebody would go that. Sure. Now, why you would spend all of your waking moments Gosh. on that one specific thing, I yeah. I can't relate to that. Yeah. But I mean, you know, yeah, I don't know all of the background of how much. Apparently, he really hated John Kennedy. Apparently, he I haven't him. gotten through all. Yeah, I haven't gotten through all of that to understand fully like why he would want him to die. Sure, but I definitely know that going all the way back to the beginning of the Dulles brother like rise to power they were not very morally sound and definitely thought that like the real power was to have shadow power Mm. or they were actually the ones making decisions and there were figureheads in front of people that did things so news coverage lasted for 70 hours on tv from november 22nd through the 26th of 63 making it the longest uninterrupted news event on american tv until 9 11 wasn't it Walter Cronkite? Like the real famous, yeah. like he comes on, he's really yeah. sad, he's going to cry. Okay, before we get too serious into yeah, it. He's, he's looking at the clock, taking off his glasses, a very famous clip of him actually saying, President Kennedy is dead. Yeah, he yeah. like does the elbow on the table. Yeah, you can tell off. he's composing himself. Yeah. Before we go forward, I just, I'm curious to know from both of you. Yeah. Like we, we dipped our toes into it. It's probably fine to at least say it. Of all of that, what piece of the conspiracy theory do you find the most interesting not that you believe what one have you heard that you find the most interesting and if you believe it that's fine too because really anything's on the table with this one right yeah um man and i have to try to look retrospectively through the lens of like Mm -hmm. seeing the oliver stone film yeah of like, what did I think about the Kennedy assassination before <laughs> I saw that? Russ is thinking about it through the Seinfeld two-parter. Movie <laughs> right. yeah. Yeah. Back into the left. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know. And it doesn't really fascinate me of, of who actually... You know, we were talking about this in the break of like, okay, there's a person who pulls the trigger, obviously, but then are there you know people organizations that had, and yeah, things behind the it, scenes yeah. that you know aren't did the guy that pulled the trigger even kind of realize what he was doing or why he was doing it or yeah like, i mean i mean the warren commission basically is created by lbj so we should say lbj is you know sworn in uh the warren commission <laughs> named after chief justice warren correct um earl warren earl warren yeah uh, it's hey, called on basically no. no dirk get down Nixon killed him, right? That's the theory we're all subscribing to. <laughs> Nixon did it. Um, Warren Commission found that Oswald had acted alone to kill Kennedy. Actually, have you guys heard about the 1979 House Committee investigation? Heard about this thing? Well, basically, this theory was upheld by, in 1979, a House committee that said that there was more than one gunman. I mean, the House committee says that theory can hold hold. Well, on. I mean, they're definitely our best and brightest. But in 1982... <laughs> Uh, the FBI disagreed. So speculation is continuing to this day of like what's going on, who did it. I like that, that somebody gets a voice at the table that's potentially involved. <laughs> There's like in what other world are we like, hold on. I know you guys might have had something to do with it. What do you think? And they're like, no, we didn't. No. And they're like, Good point. Good point. We're going to go with that. Duly We're going to go with... They said they didn't. Yeah. So... There's a... Playing the trust game here. There's something like half a million visitors that go to the Texas, you know, Chains book depository to visit the site. <laughs> um, 
Chote. I don't know. I don't know about the part of the conspiracy. Russ, that's probably a better question for you. What, do you, what, what is the Yeah, part no, of the I definitely want your opinion on this. What, that the, Nixon killed JFK? <laughs> <laughs> what, like, is it the mob? Is it, like, yeah. which part of it do you find the most interesting? Not that you believe. I think or, the mob part, for sure. Okay. Yeah, and I think that's a reason that they'd want to cover it up as much as they did. Because at yeah. that time, we were, like, going to the moon. America was, like, you know... We were on the way up. And to think that the mob could get to the president, I think that's a real... Oh, you know? that's mm. interesting. So yeah. I think that's I, why they went as far I've never as even did. considered that angle. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, it, who's they, Russ? Richard Nixon. <laughs> <laughs> On November 24th, hundreds of thousands of people filed past Kennedy's coffin in the rotunda of the Capitol, and he was buried the next day. He was actually lying in state in the East Room, where Lincoln's body was kept as well. There was a state funeral at Arlington, and representatives from 92 nations attended the services, and an estimated 1 million people lined the streets of D.C. to observe the funeral. For many Americans, the murder of JFK would remain basically the most wrenching public event of their lifetime. For that generation, you know, JFK's assassination was, for our generation, 9-11. You know exactly where you were when it happened. And it obviously changed the entire nation in an instant. Later, the bodies of Arabella and Patrick Kennedy, uh, the two young Kennedy children who had died in infancy, were moved in time from Massachusetts to be next to their father. After the assassination and funeral of her husband in 63, Jackie and the children largely withdrew from public view. 1968, uh, Jackie married Greek shipping magnate Aristotle Onassis, which caused some controversy following his death. Yeah, because what? Five years after. Okay, I knew her name was Jackie Onassis, but Aristotle? She married a Um, human being named Aristotle. Well, he's from Greece. Oh, Aristotle's okay. name. Like, <laughs> I mean, is that still a thing? Is that yeah. still a thing? People name people in Greece? Yeah. What? Yeah. No. But you guys are acting like this is normal. The man's name is Aristotle. Yeah, Aristotle yeah. Onassis. From Stop Greece. It. If Stop he was it. from Pittsburgh, I'd be like, nah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, he's from Greece. I refuse to Greece. accept this. Yeah. Well... Nope. He died in... He would drink urine. Do you know that? What? Everyone aware that of that? Aristotle? No. You know... Okay, so for sure one, you knew there was an Aristotle Onassis. Two, you had an additional fact about him? No. <laughs> Aristotle Onassis did not drink urine. Aristotle. The original Aristotle. Oh, okay. In order to diagnose the, like, the illnesses of, of people, he would taste their urine. Wait, what did he do? There's zero chance we know anything factual about the actual Aristotle. He drank urine to diagnose Nor people. Yeah, it, to diagnose what people's ailments could have been. Sure. Like he would taste yeah, like you I had mean, coffee you could write whatever three you hours ago. Aristotle. Like there's blood in the urine yeah, and stuff yeah, like the, that. The four humors. Yeah, this yeah. one's red. Yeah. Also, it might not have been Aristotle. Then he stopped. He was like, just beats. You're fine. Just beats. It could have been Archimedes or... Okay. Right. None of that stuff's real. Nixon <laughs> killed JFK. <laughs> uh, well, okay. There's zero chance we know anything true about Real Aristotle. life human Aristotle Onassis dies in 1975. And Jackie went on to have a career as an editor in New York City and trying to restore her public image. She died in 94 and was However, buried in Arlington. became more famous through Rage Against the Machine later. What rage song am I not thinking of I about? I want to be Jackie Onassis. Mm. What album is that I want to wear a pair of dark sunglasses. It's from Renegades, right? No, not Renegades. Sorry. Evil Empire. Evil Empire. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm less familiar with that album. 
But Bulls uh, on tire Parade. Me. Tire Me. The, right. the song is called Tire Me. Bulls on Parade has one of the best beginnings of any song. Sure. Just, yeah. Just with the yeah. hard, hard bass line. Yeah, no. Tire, on, now, I actually know that you will do this. On your way home, listen to Tire Me. Okay. Uh, I'll we, do that. It's yeah. a banger. I love Rage. But there's definitely a whole part about Jackie Onassis and her black okay. sunglasses. Cool. Let's talk about his legacy. So we're talking yeah. about his life, his legacy, and upcoming little-known facts. What struck you about Kennedy as you read this book, Blaine? <laughs> what, interesting choice of words. Maybe that you didn't know. Like what? What, <laughs> what, what struck you? What struck you? Wasn't <laughs> a bullet. Uh, oh, yeah. Sorry, uh, I didn't mean to do that word. I think that it was interesting. I didn't realize the extent of his health problems. Like I knew yeah. he had a bad back, right? Yep. But like when I think bad back, I think like every once in a while, dude's got to like go lay down. Yeah. Right? Like once again, like I mean, most of my background in thought is through sports so when i think of bad back i think of larry bird and like the 1993 season being in traction in between games like he's in between speeches he's got to go to the hospital they put him in that big thing and shake up the milkshake a little bit and that would hurt so that part was interesting i definitely like knew he was a womanizer didn't know the extent didn't know like have to get laid every three days or else headaches yeah (laughs) or also don't believe that yeah it didn't touch at all about any potential conspiracies, which I was is really interesting surprised. because like, there's a whole yep. portion of the Civil Rights Museum about the fact that it more than likely wasn't James Earl Ray, and here are all the other people that it could have hmm. could have been. And we were surprised by that because it's a museum. Yeah. Typically, yeah. museums are... Here's what happened. Well, right. it was across sure. the street from the museum, but it, no, was, part it was part of, part of the, the museum. museum. Yeah. But at the same time, like if you have enough facts... At what point does something not become a conspiracy theory and is it plausible? Yeah, and I mean, I was surprised at, this is more a critique on the book. It's not even a critique, but it's just an observation of how Dalek wrote, like, not even a paragraph about what happened at at the assassination. I I mean, I made the joke earlier, like, for some reason my notes abruptly end. And that's how the book is, too. Like, the book's literally, like, he gets shot on, how many pages is this book? 718, I think. He gets shot on, like, 715. Yeah. And then the book's over. Yeah. Hmm. It's interesting in that you're right. The other side of it is, and we talked about this before. So there were a lot of things that I took away from the book that I liked about it, like from pure leadership qualities. Like he was very good at speaking. And there is something to be said about like his looks. Sure. Historically, if you're looking at somebody that is pleasant to look at and they're saying things that are inspiring to you. It's different than somebody that's not pleasant to look at that's hmm. saying things that are inspiring to you in a weird voice. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Like you put the combination of those things together, like it works. Yeah. It works. There's something that in your mechanism that's like, okay, I want to follow that person. Sure. I still think that it's interesting to like kind of the hero worship. Because like if you look at the background, and once again, this isn't saying anything about the job he did or the leadership capabilities or anything like that. He had zero reason that he was the leader of the United States of America Mm. outside of his dad had more money than God. I think that's what surprised me so much that I didn't know that side of the story. I didn't know that he was so... One, it'd be interesting to think if his brother... And again, you could play this game all day. But like if his brother hadn't died... Like we know how charismatic he was. Yeah. From the book, we we learned Joe was three times as more charismatic than JFK. Yep. Imagine a world... In which one of our presidents is JFK times three on a charisma standpoint. Right, right. That's kind of crazy to think about, right? In a world. Yeah. That has a good back. 
Sure. You know? <laughs> like, he's probably matrixing that bullet. Yeah, right. Like, <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> wow. The, um, I, I was... I but, was... but it is interesting, and, and then you kind of think about we're in the modern era, right? Sure. I think, I don't know where the modern era is, but to me, it's color TV. Okay. Like, I don't know where the official modern era is, but when you said we're JFK, I was like, oh, crap, we're in the color TV era. That was technically Eisenhower. But I know what you're saying. Okay. Because he utilized it a lot more. But you know what I mean. I know what you right? mean. Right? Like, I don't yeah. think of Eisenhower as as color TV and progress. And, like, sure. I think of Eisenhower as war yep. and roads. And an old guy. Yeah. Who, yeah, Ro- war, very popular. roads, old guy. Yeah. You think of Kennedy as, like, this is the switch flipper. Sure. Right? Like, yeah. TV's in color now. Uh, yeah. People, Prefontaine, people do weird dances and there's like, vibrancy to him i mean if you think of the contrast of his predecessor it's an, it's an old war hero right you know a time of peace you know he went from time of war to time of but peace he, and now kennedy is like i i think you're right though but, but he only got in that position because dad's dad. rich and i think that if you think about like even ike or hoover or those types of people like they were born incredibly poor mm-hmm. and like worked their way and used talents and their own wherewithal to get to where they were as opposed to either inherited wealth or you have to be incredibly insanely out of this world wealthy to even be in the conversation yeah he i saved this for little known facts but while we're talking about his wealth i mean when he took office he had an estimated net worth personally not just family but him in today's dollars of a billion dollars the qualifier of being a really good leader is no longer the number one qualifier for the potential to be in the position. Well, it's style and substance, right? You know, Kennedy had a lot of substance, but he also ushered into this new thing where it's like, you're seeing people on a televised debate and you're like, that guy looks sweaty. He looks tan. Yeah. And you know, believe me, I'm fully aware of how naive those statements sound. Sure. Like I'm fully aware of that. Right. Like if you really kind of break everything down to its core, it still sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. There's a myth of Kennedy. Right. I mean, he's seen as super relatable and super like I identify with this guy. This is a guy that didn't even know how to pay for his own gas. And he was like, we're Kennedy's or wasn't even even aware of the Great Depression when he was exactly like think about that. And and the same people that lived through the Great Depression voted for him because they identified with him. Yeah. Like he didn't even acknowledge that that existed. Yeah. Bread lines like literal i mean outside of physically has never struggled a day in his life mm-hmm. the the swim and the back problems outside yeah, of sure. that right I was so outside say, of yeah. physical uncomfort yeah. i hear what you're saying according to the c-span's presidential historian survey that we always reference jfk currently sits at number eight below jefferson and above reagan i i don't disagree that that kennedy should be in the top 10 hmm. I, I, like we have our 46 right you can only rank them of what you have. But I'm just saying, like, it, it sucks that the the only reason he was in that position was because of his dad. Yeah. You don't think he's in the top 10? Kind of a, you know what, as I say it, I don't believe it, but kind of a Jim sure. Morrison type of situation where... Kurt Cobain. Yeah, Kurt Cobain, yeah, right. where, I mean, they blazed hot and mm-hmm. then... Sure. Is it better to burn out 
then fade away. Mm. No, I I would agree with you because he was definitely like he was facing an uphill battle, and I'd be interested to yeah. see how much of the stuff that he championed that would have passed had he not died. I sure. mean, that's a really big what if in our nation's history, right? Yeah. So a lot of that stuff passed because he died. Yeah. Well, it would have been interesting to see what would happen as Vietnam continued to not just Vietnam, but Vietnam was continuing to unravel in a in a re-election year. Like, what would he have done with that? What yeah. would civil well, it rights? Sounds like have he was trying to get rid of it. Sounds like he was trying to bring everybody home. Would civil rights legislation have gotten passed in '64? I think it was '64 yeah. with uh, with LBJ. I mean, probably not. Anyway, but like that's interesting, right? Like, so let's let's rewind the tape. Like, let's say Vietnam doesn't happen, but also neither does the Civil Rights Act. Mm. So when's the next war? Sure. Is it yeah. is it before the Gulf War? Like the the next you know, big conflict, uh, probably. And when does civil rights legislation actually pass Mm. if Mm. he doesn't die? Yeah. We do this on every episode. Let's just muse a little bit here. JFK (sighs) is the reason the United States of America has choked. (laughs) Man, that's what I was going to say. Real chutzpah. No, we're not going to do that. (laughs) Chote preceded Kennedy, but I I see. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. You're a chote alum. For one, we need to talk about sponsorships. Yeah, we need we need to talk. <laughs> we need to talk with you because, like, it's in your cookie jar. Yeah, come on. But Joe. two, please come on the podcast. We'd love to. So JFK, JFK is the reason. Is the, reason the United States of America. This is a tough. I, I think know, that's hard. From here out, outside of Ford. Yeah, because Ford's Ford's our only one, guys, yeah, that you don't know anything know. about. And, and if you do, yeah. good for you. And yeah, I will say he's a another Hoover for me. I like, really like Ford. Huge, outstanding. Standing character. Yeah. Russ, you raised your hand when, when we said JFK is the reason the U.S. dot, dot, dot. Has mainstream conspiracy theories. That's fair. Hmm. Like, I'm sure they, hmm. they were kind of in the shadows before okay. you had World War II. I'm sure there was conspiracy theories, but this was the first time that. That's interesting. It really, it you got the, yeah, the zealots. Hmm. That's a good thought, Russ. I think of space exploration. Hmm. No way. I think of, we landed on the moon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think space civil rights legislation. That's an interesting point, Russ. I didn't really think of that. Of like when conspiracy theories really kicked in. Yeah, Blaine, what do you think? Yeah. And also, I would say have the, celebrity presidents. There it is. Yeah, mm. the power of it was really the first time that we brought celebrities into like the campaign. It's interesting you're saying like the political change that happened in our country. With just the advent of color TV, but to I mean, have a Kennedy be the guy who's launching that, I think really shifted it. Yeah. Let's dive into little known facts, all right? For many years, going back to at least James Garfield's inauguration in 1881, it was a tradition for incoming presidents to wear a top hat on inauguration day, and JFK was the last president to wear a top hat at his inauguration. Here, let's ask Jenny. Jenny, because of JFK, the United States, answer that question. Is better. Oh, well. <laughs> okay. Oh. Uh, he loved James Bond. He was a big old fan of James Bond. In 1955, he was given a copy of Casino Royale by Ian Fleming. It hasn't even been released yet. <laughs> Daniel Craig was but like a baby. When... <laughs> no. Long time ago, Ian Fleming. Right. Yeah. A Casino long time Royale. ago, Daniel Craig was a baby. Uh, in 1962, President Kennedy hosted a private screening of Dr. No before it came out. Top 10 favorite books he placed from Russia with Love on the list 
which gave Ian Fleming a big bump in his career because Kennedy endorsed it. And then Sean Connery showed up. Uh, We obviously know about the assassination attempt that took his life, but he was actually the target of at least four assassination attempts. One in 1960, shortly after being elected president. There was a retired postal worker who filled his car with dynamite and followed the president-elect from Hyannisport all the way to Palm Beach and tried to blow himself up. There was also... a V-bid? Huh? What? What? He had a V-bid? I don't know what a V-bid is. Vehicle-born ID. He loaded his car with explosives and exploded his car. No, he was trying to explode his car, but he was stopped because they're like, this guy's been following us from Hyannisport all the way down to Palm Beach. How far is that? I uh, have, it's the entire the, coast. The, like Hyannisport and whatever the other place. I would place think you would have thought of Hyannisport. You would have known what Hyannisport is, don't you? Yeah. No. What? That's, Why? That's very famous. Hyannisport? Yeah. Oh, Hyannisport. It's like where the Kennedys and the... Bushes, well, Ken- the- bushes were Kenny Bond. Oh yeah, but well I definitely like, okay. rub oh, shoulders. A, well, with these anyway, people. why didn't he just speed up? Like why did he also, have to follow like, him? Why it did took he just speed him up? that long to figure it out? <laughs> there was this another- is Connecticut to Florida. There was another plot in Chicago and Tampa. Let's talk about his security detail. They let him follow them the entire coat. They they weren't like at six miles away. Like hey, there's still this dude. I'll send you the article. Okay. I'm not wrong about that, right? Like that's a really long time. I don't understand why like, at the, the beginning he didn't just speed up next to him. Like right. why did he have to wait? The daughter of the first dog in space was given to President Kennedy by Premier Khrushchev. So the first dog in space was Yuri, named Yuri Gardner. Strelka. And she had a daughter named Pushinka. And Pushinka was given by Khrushchev to Kennedy. Okay. She was the daughter of the first dog in space. Okay. Cool. It's kind of cool. When you said daughter, it really made me think that he gave up actual person no. to JFK. <laughs> like a daughter. I give you my daughter. I know you like that. That's a pizza shop. She is part dog. <laughs> she served you very well. Boy. Also, we should not bomb each other anymore. Here is Pushinka. <laughs> he uh, received sacramental last rites, which is a... Uh, Sacramento? Sacramental. <laughs> He took the last right turn in Sacramento. Sacramento. Sacramental. Uh, in Catholicism. Like, it used to flood. We lifted the downtown. It's fine now. It's fine. Uh, uh, the sacraments in Catholicism are okay. like, you know, baptism and marriage sure. and Eucharist and all that. He received them four times. Once. So when you receive your last rites, it's you're on the brink of death or you are dead. And he got them four times. So first in 47. Oh, yeah. When he was in England. Second time in 51. When he had a high fever in Japan for whatever he was there for. Third time in 54, he slipped into a coma following back surgery. And then lastly, the day of his assassination. Have you guys heard of Robert Ballard at all? No, Bob. Bob Ballard? Rob Ballard? In 2002, famed deep sea explorer Robert Ballard discovered the wreck of The PT-109? PT-109. It was about 1,200 feet below the surface during a National Geographic expedition. Do you know one of the other sailing vessels that Robert Ballard and his crew discovered? Mm. The Titanic. The Titanic. That was that was tough. There it is. <laughs> Same guy who discovered the Titanic discovered Kennedy's PT-109. Well, thanks for listening to episode 35, The Cosmopolitan. I really like the name of that episode, by the Thank way. Thank you. I did it today because I opened my notes and it just said, The... 
<laughs> I was like, oh no. <laughs> That'll work. Uh, our next episode on 36 President Lyndon Baines Johnson will be released on Wednesday, June 8th. In the meantime, go become a patron. Sign up at patreon.com slash presequential starting at just five bucks a month so you can get early ad free and for 10 bucks a month get bonus episodes. We really appreciate you listening and we will see you soon. Thanks for listening to the Presequential Podcast. 